Welcome to Transforming the Toddler Years, a core four parenting podcast blending soul and science-based strategies to empower pandemic moms like you raising kindergarten-ready kids. I'm Cara Terrell, your host, a lifetime lover of littles, girl mom, early childhood educator, and conscious parenting coach who truly believes that how we connect and collaborate with our kids in the first five years is how we raise world-ready kids who will change this world. Today's guest is really going to move you. This episode is for people who are struggling with infertility, have struggled to conceive, and are looking for a solution that is not purely medical. Dr. Jen is here with us today. She has a PhD in biology and computer science and was diagnosed with unexplained infertility in 2017 and told expensive fertility options were her only chance at conceiving. Using her wealth of knowledge and her deep desire to become a mom, she decided to create her own solution, the Fertile Conception Kit, and is now the mom of a four and a three-year-old. Her inspiring story and her amazing resource is going to help you feel more advocacy around what you're going through mentally and physically. And I just can't wait to share this episode with you. Please enjoy Dr. Jen. But before we dive in, I would love if you could do me a favor. Could you scroll on down, rate the show after you listen and leave a review, ask a question, suggest a topic. This will help me know how to better serve you, who to bring in. It will also help friends find us, other moms who need to be hearing what we're talking about together. Jen, thank you so much for taking time to be here with us on the Transforming the Toddler Years podcast. We have a ton to learn from you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here and I have a lot to learn from you as well. (laughs) two toddlers at home. Yes, exactly. And that's right where I wanted to start. You know, you are everything that our mamas represent. You are a pandemic mom by choice, actually. Yes. (laughs) You have kids that are only a year apart. And so you're Mm -hmm. really in the thick of this. And you are also very much a mom by choice. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey to parenthood and and how we ended up here? Yeah, I had planned, I think, an exact day and month that I wanted to be pregnant, right? I'm very type A. (laughs) So I was like, I will get pregnant one month after my wedding day. That didn't happen. And 15 more months went by and it wasn't happening. And I am a, a PhD in biology. My husband is a mechanical engineer. So just by my nature, I'm very you know, driven and very um, logical. And so when it wasn't working, I was frustrated and we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility after a year. I was then told that the only way I could become a mother was expensive and invasive treatments. And instead, my husband and I invented a medical device And we found a safe way to get sperm closer to the egg. And the second month it worked. 
And so my beautiful hypothesis <laughs> um, daughter is is four years old now. And then uh, her brother came along 380 days later. Oh, it is such a beautiful story. I read your story mm-hmm. and I think to myself, this is what moms do, right? We don't have the skill sets right? you have, right? We don't have PhDs and what are you a PhD in? Help me with this word. It's bioinformatics. It's biology and computer science, but this is purely a drive to be, to be a mother. I mean, yes, I, I have that. So I got to Google, you know, rabbit hole. And then I happened to be married to an engineer, but I was solving my own problem, which is exactly what moms do. Yes. They told me that I needed to get sperm closer to the egg. They said they could only do it a safe way in the clinic. And I, I didn't buy it. And when you want to be a mom and when you are a mom and want to protect your kids, there's nothing that'll get in the way. Absolutely. I was so inspired when I read your story. And I also was flashed back. Our daughter was born with kind of this little thing on her forehead. And then it grew and it grew and it grew the whole first year. And it turned out it was a hemangioma. So it wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. medically significant according to our doctor. Um, But it turned out that I pushed and pushed with my mother's intuition and said, you will do surgery on my just turned one-year-old because it's near the midline. And I know what happens Mm -hmm. inside these bodies and brains as they develop. And they said, oh, no, no, it's totally fine. And I said, no, you're doing it. And it turned out that it was a sphere and it was pushing internally. And wow. I just knew this was the right answer. And so you knew there was a way that you could take your mother's intuition. You could take your knowledge and expertise and the studies that you had done and your drive to become a mom and make this work for you. And I just, I'm so excited and grateful that you're bringing it to the world because moms all the time tell me, I just wish there was a solution that wasn't just relax and calm down and it might happen versus this incredibly expensive and invasive way of life. Right. And thank you for sharing that story with me. I think a lot of times we, and I, I say this as a PhD doctor, but sometimes we default to just listen to what doctors say and doctors that care want to work with us. So I know at times I didn't even ask questions because I would feel like, oh my God, I'm going to be so stupid if I ask that. But I was like, I think I'm tracking my ovulation right. Am I not? Well, I just got laughed at and told to relax by someone because I wasn't pregnant. So um, the ability to sit and question and understand unapologetically. So, you know, even if, if they're pushing back, say, well, why? And what about this? And, you know, I, I always joke, I've been the kid that asked why, why? And then I never stopped. And that's why I grew up to be a scientist. But people that that do that, that's sometimes it's too much of the status quo. And so why why can't there be this? And why do things have to be a certain way? And I just, I love your story because it emphasizes that you know, people should speak up and listen to their gut and find doctors that want to work with them. Um, cause there's so many that want to explain and want to help you. And just another great example of that. Yes. 
So talk to us about the statistics, since this is a very data-driven experience that women have. I know I share with my audience often that one in four pregnancies end in loss, and I was one of those one in four, but the stats for infertility, you, the stats for infertility are even more significant. The stat I would have told you last week was one in five. And that was one in five women. The World Health Organization came out with a study last week that said one in six people globally, male or female, will be impacted by infertility at some point in their life. It is a huge, huge, huge number. And I always think when I read studies like this and I dive into the data, those are the people that were willing to speak up. Those are the people we know about. You know, you think of maybe the last wedding you went to and there's what eight chairs at every wedding you know at the big tables so if you gave your toast and asked one person who you know anyone who'd been impacted by infertility to stand up you'd have one or two people at each table and how many people though would be sitting down wishing they could stand up because they hadn't told anyone they were going through it so there are so many people struggling in silence and I was one of them for a long time so I'm very passionate about about letting people know they aren't alone. Yeah, they're definitely not alone. And that's why we have really specific podcasts like this one and lots of other motherhood podcasts that create a community of safety, safety to tell your story, safety to feel your feelings, Um, even if it's just the safety of listening to other people talk about it first before you're able to find your advocacy voice and tell a friend, tell a family member and start the process. So that leads me to my next question. It's a very commercial way of thinking that people say, well, you have to try for a whole year before you start pursuing anything. In your research, in your own experience and with your device that you've created, is that still true? Great question. So If you ask an insurance company, they will say yes. Although 85% of insurance companies don't cover infertility treatment anyway. The standard response right now is um, if you're under 35 to wait a year, if you're 35 to 40, wait six months. And then if you're 40 or above, wait three months. However, when the fertile kit is uh, released, We are on track right now to be the first FDA cleared over-the-counter fertility treatment. And the reason is we don't want people to have to wait a year. So at 32 years old, when I went to my OBGYN at eight months, I said, something isn't right. You know, like something like, what's the next step here? Like I had planned to already be having this baby. I'm still not even pregnant. And I was laughed at and told just to relax and to wait a year and it takes a year for it to happen. And, you know, I'm making the fertile kit available for everyone so that they don't have to wait some arbitrary insurance, I guess, based statistical amount of time. Anyone who is struggling to conceive, my goal is that they'll be able to go into their local pharmacy, just like pregnancy tests. You couldn't get them on the shelf 30 years ago and you're going to be able to get them on the shelf now with and fertile will be right next to there. And so my my hope is that it's no longer true 
um, and that we're going to be working with a lot of medical professionals to to educate people that this is a very, very viable option. And it's something they can do safely and privately in their own home. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't increase any risk of anything. It's just a safe alternative to try. And I'm I'm really excited that that specific window of time, that waiting, I'm really, really excited to be able to help those people because those were the hardest mentally, those are the hardest months for me. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the difference between the physical toll that this takes on your body and the mental toll that it takes on your well-being. Uh, because I want to make sure that we're normalizing both for moms who are listening. Maybe they're trying to have another baby and this time it's not going as well. Uh, maybe they had their first through IVF and this time they don't really want to go through that process again. So what do you have to share with us about that? My husband and I have now been together 12 years and I probably pushed us as close to, we don't say the D word in our house. That's one of our rules. But if I could have strained our marriage, I don't know if I could have bent it anymore before it broke. I was at the point where I was telling my husband, essentially get home, be ready 90%. I treated him like a sperm donor. Like I was like, I might be ovulating here, here. I didn't really care, honestly, about his feelings. And for me, it was all about, I have this basically 24, 48 hour window. And he was my sperm donor during that time, not my husband. Now, I don't recommend that. And I have learned, you know, a lot of things from that. Um, but it took, you know, a good year before I actually went back to him and apologized and said, I'm really sorry that I did that to our marriage because he's like, I just want my new wife, you know, like we were supposed to be enjoying this honeymoon phase. And he's very um, go with the flow type of guy. And which is what I love about him. And for people like my type A, that's usually like a good balance, you know, to offset. But, you know, honestly, if someone would have told me at the time, like, hey, pay attention to how you're treating him too. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know if I would have changed, which is sad to say, but it was my sole focus. And I'm, I'm very, very transparent about my journey that it was towards the end there. I want to say, 90% mental health. I mean, it was, it took over our life. It consumed everything that we were doing. That's all I wanted was to become a mother. And so, you know, I can't speak for him, but I, I know that it was difficult on him. And I, I know I didn't make it any easier. It was just also very difficult on me. Wow. Thank you so much for your honesty and your ability to tell that really vulnerable story. Um, nothing gives people a feeling of empowerment to tell their own and stand up for themselves more than that. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. One of the reproductive endocrinologists that's now an advisor um, on our team is actually, he said, even though your, your device is a medical device, it's just as much a mental health device. And when he said that to me, I started crying and I said, I know because I felt so helpless. Like there was nothing I could do. And all I wanted was to try something, you know, without taking out a loan, without breaking my marriage, without 
you know, like it just seemed so helpless and I hated that feeling of being helpless so much. So, um, that's really at the heart of fertile is that it might not work for everyone, but what we do know is that, you know, it was created by me who's been through this and, and that's not lost on me and, and how much support is needed is not lost on me. And that's what I want to help, help people through that time. Even if it means you don't get pregnant with us. I wish you could all see Jen right now. She is, has these silent tears flowing down her face. And if that doesn't tell you that this device, this solution isn't full of as much love as it is science, then I don't know what else we can say. And, you know, here at Core 4, that's what we are. We are soul and science. We are raising human beings, and that starts with the way they start life. Um, And so I just, I could not be more grateful for your innovation and for your heart. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. And, And for the space that you're giving people to be able to, you know, you're making a space that is safe for me to tell that and um, safe for me to share with your incredible audience. And um, for that, I'm very, very grateful. Mm. Hey, Mama, Cara here, just hopping in to say how impressed I am by you and your dedication to raise a whole child who will be world and school ready. You know that parenting is a job a J-O-B job, and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to know what you don't know. And that's what I'm here for. My Transforming the Toddler Years course is currently closed, but I am accepting one-on-one clients who are looking to make massive transformation inside their home. If you're feeling overwhelmed, disconnected, and that you're in survival mode all day, every day, but you wake up determined to be intentional, calm, and connected so that you can help your child thrive, I can help. Schedule a complimentary connection call with the link in the show notes to share your parenting journey and your current struggles. Let's see how we can work together to help you transform the toddler years. Wow, it seems illogical for me to follow this up with a scientific question, (laughs) but I really want to know what you mean by, you said in your intake form, we only learned how not to get pregnant. What did you mean by that? So it started when I was 16. I had started, you know, getting acne and I was a little bit of a late bloomer. My mom said, oh, let's go get you some acne medication. And, you know, we're at the doctor's office and I'm getting my first pap smear and don't know what it is. Like, I don't know what's happening. And I'm like, I did not think acne was what. (laughs) Um, And with my, you know, peers, I feel like we were all told, like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. And I for my parents, my parents didn't finish college. So the joke is that, like, I took it to the extreme. Right. Like, I'm going to finish all the college. not just my undergrad, I'm going to keep going. So it was always my goal, you know, like everyone made it seem so easy that, you know, you have to stop getting pregnant, like make sure you don't get pregnant until, you know, you're, you're ready. So for me, I was on birth control until, you know, 32 when we started trying and 
no one had ever told me when you're ready to get pregnant, here's what your cycle, here's the four phases, here's how your luteinizing hormone will rise. And that, you know, causes your egg to be released. And then it's viable for 24 hours and sperm can live in you for up to five days. And I literally have a PhD in biology and knew absolutely none of that. It was horrifying as much as it was like enlightening because I, I'm not the only one. People will say to me, I have no idea what the hell are these ovulation strips? What am I doing? And I'm like, look, I took every biology class and I had no idea. So like no one taught us. It's you're not stupid. You're not dumb. This this all is new because a lot of our education for our generation was focused on not getting pregnant. That makes so much sense. Yes. And there are gaps. There's significant gaps in the interpersonal and our physiological education that that we are given. We talk about it here all the time, too. And I just I'm so glad that you're bringing this conversation up, maybe for the first time. And I know that you help people learn how to manage and understand their ovulation from this perspective now. Yeah, I think it's actually probably the most critical aspect, if not the most critical aspect. And so, you know, we're our intracervical insemination kit, that's what fertile is. It's going through the FDA clearance process. But right now, while it's going through that, and since I've started fertile, really, you can buy as many fertile kits as you want. If you don't know when to use them, it doesn't do any good. And I don't want you to buy them if you don't know when to use them. And so for me, the journey of, you know, trying to conceive is also about empowerment of your own body and recognizing like when, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to track your ovulation and and what does that mean? And when can you actually get pregnant? And even though I've been a software developer for 16 years, like not trusting the apps first, like trusting your body first and learning kind of your cycle, all of those things are going to help you get pregnant eventually, no matter what. It's going to help empower you to be like, yes, this is when I'm ovulating because I have X, Y, and Z data points that I've now learned that pinpoints when I'm ovulating. That helps you get pregnant. It helps you communicate to your doctors. It helps you communicate to your partners. Um, All of that can only help you. Knowledge is power. And so for me, I spent so many months, I hate to say wasted, but wasted because I was just, oh, is it day 14? That's what, that's when I ovulate or I followed these apps at first because I'm a software nerd and thought they had all the answers. And so what I've been trying to do is take, you know, the education I had to give myself over 16 months and really distill that down into people so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They have all of that um, from day one. And that alone has helped people get pregnant, even even if they don't use the fertile kit, um, understanding that will empower people. And so that's one of our main focuses right now. What a gift in every way, that mind-body-spirit connection. Uh, so help us understand if this is myth, fact, or somewhere in between. Because I heard you say 
I think if I heard you right, that you were on the birth control pill for 16 years, 16 to 32. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah, you did good math there. It wasn't completely just the pill. It was the pill. And then I had an IUD for seven years. So when we adjust our hormones in such a way to prevent pregnancy for long periods of time, is it true that we can have more trouble getting pregnant when we're ready to, or is that just a myth? Well, this is an unsatisfying answer that we know so little about women's health in general that it's, for example, women and minorities did not have in phase three clinical trials until 2017, like for anything. And so while I wish I could say we've done a ton of research and data and we know so many things about women's health and I can tell you, the answer is we need a lot more work done on the science. I know that studies have leaned towards it might take a little bit for your hormones to get back in kind of their natural cycle, if you will, once you've once you've disrupted them. But honestly, there the lack of literature out there on so many of these things. I mean, we're getting much better, don't get me wrong, but it'd be irresponsible of me to say one way or the other just because we need to do better as humans on on researching and studying and understanding like aspects of reproduction that don't that aren't just sperm. Well, I totally appreciate and value that response for its honesty. Um, and I also think it's a hopeful answer, right? Because if we can't say unequivocally that that's an issue, then we can put that aside. And forgive ourselves and just say, I'm not going to hold guilt around this because it's just as likely it's not an issue as it is. Right. And truth be told, there are so many variables when it comes to fertility that that was essentially what I was trying to do with my poor husband is like narrow down our variables. Like, okay, you know, have I confirmed I'm ovulating? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? And it's really, really easy for us as women to take on the burden of guilt um, for all of this. I mean, to the point where do I leave my husband so he can have children with another woman? Like I obsessed about that for a while. Like, was that the right thing to do morally so that he could experience fatherhood? But it's really important that when we look at things from a collective, right? So one in six people across the globe, you wouldn't go to one of those other one in six people and say, this is your fault. So why do we say it to ourselves? Right. So if you're not willing to say that to someone else, then you shouldn't be saying it to yourself or you you think that you're above them, you know, like you don't get to be the exception. So if you wouldn't say it to someone else, then you don't, you don't get to say it to yourself and keep repeating it. So it's important that we acknowledge like when we start going down that rabbit hole, which I have that, you know, sometimes we need to be our, our own best friend and we've all done what we knew how to do at the time with what we had. And all we can do is improve. That is just so true. So we only have a few minutes left, but we've talked a lot about us as moms, as females, our cycles, um, you know, our homes are for these babies. How long do you need to wait before you go have your husband taken off the variable list? Oh man, as a scientist and 
<laughs> mother, I would tell you right away. I mean, if you start thinking that something might be wrong to me, testing does nothing but give you data and data is aggregated. You know, we can, we can aggregate all of these data points to help us make a better decision. And so if you can get testing and it's reliable, FDA cleared safe testing, which I will emphasize <laughs> needs, needs to be the case, um, that it's a CLIA certified lab that's doing the testing, um, all of those things are only going to help, you know, give you answers to this puzzle and each puzzle piece is beneficial, even if you don't know it at the time. So for both you and, you know, your partner, if that, if that's something you think, I, I don't see any downside to testing other than you're, you're going to get more data. Just don't go too far down the Google rabbit hole without, you know, speaking to your healthcare provider because, what they have to say is important versus someone on Reddit. So <laughs> make sure that, you know, you're doing it with someone who listens to you and trusts you. Yes. 100%. Wow. Well, once again, thank you so much for your story and for bridging this gap, for filling a space. I know so many moms who say to me, we're struggling to conceive and I'm, I'll do IUI, but I draw the line at IVF. If IUI doesn't work, I guess we're not having kids this way. And so you are adding a third option, an early intervention in the process option. So thank you so much for that. And please tell everybody how they can just start the process with you, what you might have for resources for them right now and where they can find you online to be aware of when this clears the FDA and it's available. Thank you for the space to say this. Anyone out there who is struggling to conceive, if you go to Fertile, so that's P-H-E-R-D-A-L, it's pronounced Fertile, but spelled with a PhD out of my spite for being labeled infertile. <laughs> so it is fertile.com slash support. We have free ovulation journals and resources. We have a blog there to help you, you know, educate and empower yourself. We also have um, a brand new ovulation workbook I'm really proud of, and that has all of the 16 months of education I mentioned. And then as soon as our, our kit comes out, we'll be there too. But there's also, you can reach out directly to us through our website and we welcome you. I, I would welcome, you know, anyone who is struggling to reach out and go to our website and connect with me. And I want to know how I can help support you. Just amazing. Thank you so much for supporting moms and dads in this way because they become the conscious collaborative parents raising this next generation in the style that I live and teach and preach. So we really are connected so deeply from that entire life cycle, conception to delivery to raising beautiful humans. I love that. Well said. Until our next episode. Stay mindful and proactive as you transform the toddler years.